0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box with my good friend, Jamie Winship. Uh, How many times have you been on the podcast now?
1: I think this is four.
0: This is number four? Number four. So what we're going to do, we're going to do you guys a favor, just right at the beginning, we're going to link up the first three uh, conversations we we had. Yeah, three, right? Yes. Three, this is four. Yeah. So the first three will be in our description below if you want to do a deep dive on some of the topics that Jamie and I have been talking about. and we're going to go outside the box today, Jamie, Yeah, good. Uh, with a very um, common topic, common word, and, uh, and that's anxiety. Um, so let's start off by just, what do you think is anxiety? Give me like your definition of anxiety.
1: Well, I mean, uh, anxiety simply put to me is fear, like I'm fear. Something's producing anxiety in me, it's producing fear in me. And so I, I, would, you know, I use different words. It's, it's anxiety, it's stress, but ultimately it, it, it's causing me to be fearful, whatever that is.
0: Why do you think it's such a common word that we hear? I, cause I, I feel like it's even co- common for me to say, you know, I'm I'm anxious about something, uh, right. it's becoming mainstream. And I feel like it's something we talk about with kids as they are young and I never heard it growing up. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. and now that I'm aware of the word, I feel like I'm more anxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you, do, like, what are you saying? What's, what's your thought? No, on that? I
1: think that's really true. It, 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 so if you think of, you know, if we did the root study, the etymology of the word to be anxious, I think you'll find like in all all language in its most original form is actually sacred, aimed at the sacred. So, um, So like if you go back into ancient Hebrew or ancient Arabic or Aramaic, all these languages, they originate as ways to communicate with the sacred. That's what language is originally for.
0: So language is for to communicate with the sacred. Yes. Okay.
1: Right. Okay. And, and, then, and then you watch as language evolves, it becomes more secularized. It's really, it's a really super fascinating study. It's on a different topic, but that's why when we're using these words, like so for example, Mao in China, when he wanted to change the thinking of the entire population of China, he just would remove words from the dictionary from their vocabulary and over one generation those words were gone and the ideas were gone so you could go into china and say use a term like god or faith they've never they don't know the concept anymore it's gone it takes one, i think it takes two generations for it to be completely gone so even if i show them in chinese the symbol or the word faith or church or God, they don't know what it means.
0: You know, that's very fascinating because I think there's, there's, um, I've definitely heard the saying of, if you want to take control of a population, take control of the media first. That's right. Yes. And because you can control, if you can control the narrative, right, you control everything. That's right. And it seems like, you know, that's kind of being done. It's being done all the time. It's always been done. Yes. So, so how do we protect ourselves from that? Going back to like the (laughs) etymology of it, Going like, do you have to like figure out where these words came from?
1: Well, I mean, it's important to have the right definitions of things, and we, and you know that's a problem in education and all sorts of things. But so just to, you take the word anxious. So anxious can mean to be excited about something.
0: Right <laughs> there you go. Right, I'm
1: anxious to get there. That's a very beautiful word. I'm anxious to know the sacred. I have this deep longing, and I. And my my fear is that I'm going to miss something great. It's a beautiful fear.
0: So fascinating how you can how you can flip that because I I've also heard the analogy of when you're feeling when you're feeling anxious, it's the same feeling you feel when you're riding a roller coaster. Yeah. And, and but when you're riding a roller coaster, it's like fun. Yes. But when you're not, uh, you know, it's terrifying. Yes. And the same thing goes with working out right if you put yourself through a a vigorous workout and you're sweating and your heart rates up you know that's normal but when you're not working out you're like oh crap what's happening yes right so the feelings are not the bad thing right it's the interpretation
1: right and it's yeah and it's a corrupted version of the true the right emotion the right feeling so if i say you know like like uh, one of my favorite actors when I was growing up was um, was Al Pacino. So, for example, if someone said because he did the movie Serpico, which I loved, that's why I became a cop. And so, but if someone said, "Hey, I, I, we're going to go meet Al Pacino," I would feel very anxious about that. I would be so like, "Oh my gosh, Al Pacino!" But I, I'm not afraid of him, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't have fear of him. I'm anxious because. I'm, I'm in awe of this person or what's going to happen. And so, it, uh, so uh, as you're saying, all of my, everything inside of my body physically is like geared up, psyched up for this thing. It's very beautiful. But if, but if I was afraid of him, I wouldn't want to meet him, <laughs> but I'm anxious to meet him. So it's, it's, it's the, we're using the wrong word. I think when we use the word anxiety to mean I'm stressed out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When I think of, uh, you know, I'm anxious to do something, I think positive. Yeah. But when I think about having anxiety towards something, I feel like that's a negative. Yes.
1: And I think that's, again, I think that's a a, a wrong narrative that that word has been taken to mean something different. So um, I have a friend that's that's working um, as a lunch monitor in an elementary public elementary school. And she was telling me the other day she was talking to. Uh, a second grader who had been absent for a few days and, the, and she said to this, hey, uh, you know, it's good to see you because she wants them to feel seen. And she says, where you? Were you? Were, were, were you sick? And he said, no, I had an anxiety attack. Second grader. And I needed to take a break to deal with my anxiety. Well, <laughs> where did this kid learn this language? Right. So Someone what? taught him that's an anxiety attack, that's what you're having. And so now he knows to compensate for this new thought of anxiety, which really is probably fear, something fearful in him.
0: Yeah, when I think of just my own experiences and you know, people that I know, it seems to me that anxiety, you know, in, the tradi- in the way that most people understand anxiety, yeah. and anxiety attacks come later on in life, come uh you know when things don't go the way they thought they were going to go but as a kid you know it seems like you don't know to have an anxiety right
1: and so you know i mean i think of like being a little kid on you know on christmas eve and waiting for santa claus you're so you're filled with you're anxious yeah but you're not afraid but it's this very powerful beautiful like we don't want to miss this like whatever it takes we don't want to miss this. So imagine going through life with that kind of anxiousness. Yeah. I'm so anxious to write this book. I'm not afraid of it. It doesn't keep me up at night, but I it needs to happen. I'm so and, and the the motivi- motivator behind this kind of anxiousness is joy. It's a joyful thing. And so the the joy Um, I was talking to a bunch of high schoolers earlier today and I was talking about why go through all the work of writing a novel or a play. It's for the joy that comes at the end of the process It makes the work worth it. And we're anxious to see what happens with this finished project.
0: Yeah. I kind of, um, relate that to, you know, athletics as we often do. you're supposed to feel a little bit of nervous energy yeah, before, the yes. uh, before a match or a mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if a coach were to say that that's an okay thing to feel, you know, you're like, okay, now this is my body getting ready to yes, go. right? Uh, it's kind of coming from that joyful place. Yes. You know, we can mm-hmm. do that in our everyday lives as well. That's right. It's really interesting. So I, I want to go back to like, you know, as we get older, um, and things aren't happening the way we, we think they should, uh, that brings on a sense of nervousness, um, anxiety in the sense that, um, I'm on the wrong path Mm. or, and I kind of think of it as the, the fear that we talked about in, in a previous conversation about like being left alone or, uh, uh, it's like an existential thing,
1: right? So absolutely.
0: How do you reframe that? You know, as you know, people are entering adulthood, whether that's going to college or, you know, going through a life event, you know, uh, later on in life that can be like cause an existential crisis inside. Mm-hmm. How do we reframe that?
1: That, but again, by, um, kind of what we've talked about before is, um, is understanding the truth of what's happening. That's really, it's, it's, um, we're working on this other series and, um, someone asked me, well, what's the value of reading what you wrote? And I said, the value is, is because it's about what's true. The value of what's true is truth always produces freedom. Knowing what's true always allows for freedom. N- believing what's not true produces conflict and and really a kind of imprisonment.
0: So when you say that, I, mm. I hear okay. Well, how do I know what's true and what's not? Uh, yeah, you know. And yes. and we've spoken about truth always comes in love uh, or from a place of love.
1: It's sourced in love. Yes, but facts. Yes, can fact- often
0: not be interpreted that way that's right so how, yeah. how, do, we, how do we okay look at that?
1: so good and i know this is what we were kind of trying to get to so um so i let's say i experience a certain a specific event so um so i wake up and i'm i'm going about my day and i experience this these things happen to me or in what i'm doing and they produce in me a sense of some like the belief, okay, this is something's really wrong here. And I am actually in danger. Yep. That's what I feel. Yep. Now I would not say that cause I'm not in any perhaps any physical danger, but my belief is I'm now threatened by what's happening.
0: And this is very common. Like, yeah. like I I've felt this way and you can, I mean, I wouldn't have felt different if, you know, and this is a uh, very common analogy. If there was a tiger right, right. in front of that, me, I would feel the exact same
1: way. It's the exact same feeling. Yeah. And so my, so I'm telling, uh, I'm telling my body, I'm telling myself that I'm in a situation that has very serious threat to it. Okay. And so my whole body's responding to the idea we're under attack,
0: which the body's supposed to do. Yes. That's what we're designed right. to do. And so
1: it prepares for war. Right. Right. You know, and so the whole system is preparing for like, we're going to suffer a major injury in what's, what's, what's happening. And so I, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, so if I'm not letting, if not, if I'm not controlling the way I think about things, my, my, you know, my amygdala will just see the situation. It'll perceive threat and we go on red alert unless I change that thinking. We stay on red alert. And for many people, they, they haven't practiced the discipline of going, wait, oh, hold on, wait a second now. Is, am I thinking about this in the way that's
0: true? Well, and what I often, because that is exactly right. What I find to be a problem is I think we as a whole, you know, myself included, we're so quick to label it. Uh, an anxiety attack, a panic attack or whatever. And then it becomes normalized. And then it's like, we don't, we don't get to the root of the problem, which is the interpreting, interpreting the truth. Right. We, we do that later. And, and then it's like, yeah, you know, I I had an anxiety attack or I had a panic Mm -hmm. attack and it's a normal part, but you know, you can continue to have those and know that it's Okay. But haven't exactly gotten to the root of anxiety, right? You know, is it does that speak to you at all? Is yeah. That, I, how do we get better at? Um, you said the discipline, right? The discipline of interpretation, because you want it to be quick. Yes. But I think maybe at the beginning it's going to be slow, and you're going to have to come. Right, and
1: you know this as a as a tennis player. Like you practice, you learn how to serve, and it's slow and cumbersome. Everything in life, everything in the reality that we're in that you're beginning to learn is slow and awkward and cumbersome and you make mistakes. One of the things that produces anxiety in humans is not telling the truth about that. It's like, no, you got to get this right, like right away. You have to get this perfect right away and and quick instead of the truth is this is going to take, this process takes time and you're going to make a lot of mistakes and it's okay that's, that doesn't produce anxiety. That's like, no. but I am anxious to learn it, mm-hmm. there we right? go. There we but go. I'm anxious yeah. to do it right. So I'm going to work hard and I'm going to try hard, but I'm not afraid of getting it wrong. That's anxiety.
0: That's so interesting because like you can almost change it to the where like you get anxious to learn how to do this and then, you know, flip the meaning of anxiousness or anxiety in your own brain. Right. And then, you know, that might speed up the process if you need it to. Yes. But you know, it still seems that in order to go through that discipline process, we have to, we have to figure out how to interpret what's happening. That's right. You lay the facts down. Yes. You realize, okay, I'm not in danger. Yes. Right. How can you flip it from the same way you flipped Mm -hmm. anxiousness? Yes. Anxiousness in the sense of, uh, being excited. Uh, you know, I can't wait to do this interview with Jamie and and that's anxious. Right. You know, the
1: beautiful kind of anxious. Yeah. So, so same thing, like the, the, the beautiful thing about all these things we're discussing is what we're actually talking about is reality and true. And the anxiety is actually not true. The, the, the capacity and the goal of humans to be anxious and excited about things and want to do things well and try hard is what is true. And to be afraid of things and self-protect and self-promote is actually not human. It's counterproductive.
0: Can you, uh, explain that a little bit. So, okay. Because I feel like it's normal to, to be afraid of things. Mm-hmm. But you're saying like that's not human.
1: The, no, the, 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 the fear part is very human. But to stay in states of fear constantly and anxiety is not what humans were made to do. It's why we have so much disease is because we live in constant anxiety. We live in constant regular fear. Instead of using fear as it's supposed to be used as a warning device... Addressing what it's warning us about, and then fear's done, and so we don't lay in bed at night trying to go to sleep because we're so anxiety-ridden. Um, uh, so that's what I mean. So l- let me just give you an Keep example. Going, yeah? we'll, we'll, so a real example, a true example. So, um, one of my friends is in an an elected official, and so as an elected official, this person has to answer to a board. Um, who elected them in their position this is common in um, a lot of companies. You know, you have a director and you have a board, and the board rotates and rotates, so the board can elect this person to be the board chair, or the board director. But the board rotates, and so the people that put him in that position rotate, and so maybe there, maybe after one year, only three of those people are still there that put him in that position, and the two are new that don't like them. right? <laughs> yeah. So this is the way. <laughs> boards can work. And so then the chairman of the board has to constantly be paying attention to what are the board, you know, what do the board members want and what do they feel? So, and so this, this board chair in his position, he, he is going to have, they're going to have an outside audit of what they're doing. That's fine. That's normal. Um, but he discovers in the outside audit that one or two of the board of his board members are out for blood in him and so they're telling the auditor all these things he doesn't know what he what they're telling him he just gets notified hey we just want you to know that while we're doing this audit two of the board members are are not only out to take you out of your position they're out to personally ruin you we just want you to know and they've built a consensus among people that the board oversees to ruin you. Mm. that's what he that, that's what he's told so he goes in on monday morning he knows the audits going on it's a normal process of their company it's what it's what they do um but he has no idea this is happening until one of the auditors says hey we're not hiding it. we want you to know like this is what we're running into as we survey all your people and everything and then he finds out that some of the ones that are really out to ruin him are his closest confidants in the company
0: Oh, so he's completely thrown off like, okay, I'm with you
1: has no warning whatsoever. He feels like everything's going pretty well over, over a couple of years. And so in one, one hour session, his entire career future is in jeopardy and not just in jeopardy, but like if they, if this audit comes back with all of these allegations and everything. I'll. I will not work again. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's not like I might lose my position. I'll go to. I'll, I'll go to another company. It's like no. If I lose my position this way, no one will touch me. Yep. So that produces in him anxiety.
0: Well, then you but, know, he's probably <laughs> thinking, well, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be underneath the bridge. Exa- well, you know exactly. Yeah. Yep.
1: And he's worked his whole life to get to this position that he's in. You know. And so, um. So now. The question is like, are those facts true? Yes, (laughs) they're all, that is in fact what is happening. And so there's no debate over that. Are these board members after you? Yes. Are they, are they building a consensus to ruin you? Yes. Is are some of your own close confidants in this process to take you down? Yes. All fact, fact, fact. Okay. Right.
0: (laughs) I'm trying to figure out why he shouldn't panic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um so he's and and his feelings are hurt yep. because wow, I thought they were my friends. So think of all the think of all the conclusions he's coming to in his mind. There are no conclusions yet, but he start you start drawing them. Wow, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. The truth is, you don't know where this is going. You think you know where it's going, but you actually don't know where it's going. But as far as he's concerned, this is going this way. I'm ruined. So he calls his wife, and he tells her this is what happened. And she's not only horrified she's not even in the scenario when you tell a person that's directly involved with this that's directly impacted by a scenario that they have no involvement in they're even more powerless to do (laughs) anything about it but she realizes if you're ruined we're ruined and at least you can talk to the auditors and all that I just am going to lay awake at night and think of how this is going to be a disaster. So when he gives the burden of what he's going through to her, yep. it's it's she really cannot bear it. Her, she really has, all she can do is
0: worry, right? And, and her reaction, I'm sure, is making his feeling worse. Yes,
1: <laughs> right? So the anxiety is like cancer. Like yep. he receives it and then he passes it on to someone that really can't do anything about it. And then than whoever, you know, whether it's family members or whatever. So, so what can the person do? They, this situation is going to go the way it's going to go.
0: Meaning right? the, the facts are facts. Yeah, they're right. going to happen. He, he right. has
1: actually no control over this. What he does have control over is his own fear though, and his own response to what is happening.
0: So right? h- how, how does he exercise that control?
1: So, so here's what he does. Um, so he first of all he takes he takes his fear captive. You grab hold of it and you identify it. This is the tr- He's got to tell the truth. Okay, I'm afraid. Yes, absolutely true. Okay, what am I afraid of? What is producing the fear in me that they're saying all these bad things? Actually, no. What I'm afraid of is that I am ruined, that I'm yeah. going to be ruined. Ruined is a very dramatic, permanent word. It is. Right? Yeah. It's not like I'm going to lose this job. No, that's not. I'm going to be ruined. And that's that's the word that's in his head. And his wife now is also going to be Ruined. He says to her, "I am ruined." What she hears is, "We are ruined." Yeah, right. I'm finished. Yeah, done. Yeah. Completely done. So, um, so first of all, he has to be able to say, "Okay, what it, what is it, what is my deepest belief right now that's producing the fear in me?" My deepest belief is that I'm going to end up unemployed for the rest of my life. Okay. There it is. That's just say you know, he's just going to say that out but then, and so that's true. Okay. That's his, that's his belief. But so the next thing he knew needs is he needs community to walk with him through it. If he's by himself, he, you can't talk yourself out of this kind of fear. And now him and his wife are both in it. So they're just reaffirming the fear between themselves. You need a community that's not, that can look at the facts without fear. And help you think about: Is what you're fearing really true or false? Right.
0: Because I'm assuming that that's never true. Would be the the the, the deepest belief of I'm ruined, or uh, I'm never gonna be employed again. That's right. That's it's most likely not. True, not true. Right.
1: But if I said that to him, he's like, "You don't know. You don't know, right." He because he he is ruined. So. So this is, this, is how he, this is how he worked through the process. So he, he calls me and he says, just because I happen to be one of his friends, that's the only reason, and we're close friends. And he says, hey, can I talk to you? I wanna tell you what's going on. So instead of getting isolated, because fear uncontrolled will separate you and isolate you. Mm. And you'll, sh- you'll self-protect and self-promote, you know? So instead of doing that, he, f- he out of just sheer discipline, I'm going to get with another person that's not involved in this and tell them the truth about what I believe about these facts. Yeah. Gr- it, that's a very important strategy. So he calls me, he goes, I want to tell you what's going on. So he calls me and he tells me and I, and so I say, I, I understand. Okay. I understand. What are you, tell me what you're afraid of. And he said, I'm afraid that I'm ruined. Then I said, what does that mean? And he goes that I'll never work again. And, and I said, okay, I'm listening to his fear. And now what I want to walk him through is what's the truth though? <laughs> this is really happening. But what this, this Process has, is, does not own your future. It can only own your future if you let it own your future. It may take your job away, but really, come on. That's what I was saying to him. Come on. You lose this job. Are you telling me there's no other jobs in the world? Like bringing them back to what's true. Yeah?
0: It kind of r- reminds me of, uh, I've heard you talk a lot about um, going going up in the creative yes, and then bringing that down into the practical. And that's
1: what I want to do with him. That's okay. And he knows that's what I'm going to do. That's what friends do. Okay. So I say, okay, let's get together. Like we pick a, a night, you know, like pretty quick. Let's let you and your wife, bring your wife, come over. Let's, let's be together in a community. Let's get together in community and let's walk through, not that, not this, your fear. Let's walk through your fear. Let's get back into the truth of who you really are, and then let's look at the situation from that perspective. Like, we're not going to change this. We're just going to change the way we look at this.
0: And, uh, and changing the way you look at that scenario changes the way you feel about it. And then all of a sudden, you can change it into that anxious, good
1: feeling. Yes, right. And I, I don't even know how to describe this or explain it fully, but there is this so like if I'm looking at a situation from a perspective of self-protection and self-promotion, it brings negative energy to the situation. Like I, so like there's the situation, like the person, the board people who are after him are bringing the very negative emotion and energy to the scenario and it makes what's going to come out of the scenario negative. But, If I come at the same scenario, the same facts with truth and a positive view of who I am and compassion towards
0: these people, it can turn the situation itself. That makes, it makes so much sense. And, and when, when I'm listening, I also, I get the feeling that that was a very extreme case. Yeah. I feel like the not as extreme case can be even more detrimental for people because you might not get to the place where you make the phone call right to Jamie or yes. to your best friend, yeah. And then, and then I think that's when we get in these constant uh, circles of that, anxiety. Yes, good point. You know, it's a little little less severe than like um, you know having a you know a panic attack or yeah. but it's a constant you know um, state yes. of anxiety. Yes which leads to a constant state of self-protection and self-promotion.
1: Constant, right, which is what produces board members that want to ruin you. <laughs> That's exactly right. So imagine if we were just teaching this process. You're exactly right. It's not like you go to the big tennis tournament and try and play well. You learn to play well all the time yeah. in, in smaller situations and get to the... So imagine if we're teaching, instead of a second grader saying, I had to take two days off of school because I'm dealing with anxiety. Someone told him that. The way you deal with anxiety is you drop out, and then you go over here, and then you come back if you can.
0: You go up to your room. You go up to your room and and you know pout. Uh, yeah. You know, do whatever you do in your room. Yep. Play video games, get distracted, and I think I, I think that's a real problem because the temptation is to find a distraction. Yep. Not deal with it. Right. And then it becomes that circle. Yes. And then the kid is, you know, or the adult is, you know, taken off work for a week. That's right. You know, mental health days, mental oh, health. Yes. Days.
1: That's, that's where that kid learned this. That's so My mom fascinating. or dad takes a mental health week or whatever. And so what it's doing is legitimizing the fear as that's okay to feel that way and disengage like that. That's okay. That's a... And instead of saying, instead of saying to the second grader, what are you, what are you afraid of? Like, let's figure out how to deal with that fear while you're in school <laughs> so you don't have to go way over here somewhere. Yeah. So you're just learning young how to deal with it instead of being told young. This is natural to be afraid. Just learn to cope with it. And if you can't, we'll give you a medication or whatever. To like right. just all these ways just to avoid the whole thing. So let so let me finish this scenario. Please, and say, so so that person. So he calls me. And I say, come over. Um, he, I I've only, I haven't known this guy that long. And so he told me, he said, typically when something, this kind of thing happens to me, I don't even talk to my wife. I just shut, I just go home and shut myself in the man cave and just simmer (laughs) (laughs)
0: like
1: that. And he said, I'm not, he goes, I'm not used to calming and being with another person to walk through this openly. And I said, well, this is going to be a different practice. So it took it took courage for him to come with his wife and sit with us and walk through what's happening. It's like put it out there, get it out there. Don't don't keep it in here. Get it, put it out here. Because when you take a fear and hold it into the light, it gets smaller.
0: I, I love that. But when you're yeah. in your
1: room at night, it gets bigger. Yeah, just like monsters under the bed.
0: And and I think part of the problem is is that often we're not aware enough to know that the fear exists. And then there's like this, this like um, unidentified monster growing and, and you don't know what to do when it it comes out and then you're like scared to death. Yeah, that's right. What's your thought? You know, you, you mentioned mental health, like what role does this play in, in this movement I feel like we're in, of you know taking care of your mental health. You you said something interesting to me uh the other day around around work. And uh you know a, a good friend of ours Gina had asked you, do you feel um uh what was the word? Re- do you feel in restful? Yeah, restful. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and um you know being in rest you know as you work a lot, obviously like the environment we're in right now where where we're so aware of like mental health and we're trying Mm to, you know, take care of people that way. What's some alternatives? Is it just what we're talking about? Like addressing, Mm -hmm. addressing the fear, addressing, or I guess just identifying it.
1: Right. A discipline that keeps me reminding my body that we're not at war. (laughs) A discipline. Like, hey, we're not at war, relax heart, we're not at war, relax brain, we're not at war. You know. So instead of my brain driving me, I think my brain is the saying, don't let your brain think you, you think your brain your brain's going to say, we're in trouble. We're in... you know, it's like what it's, it's what it's trained to do is to protect. And, and I'm taking control of my mind, my brain. And listen, we're not, there is no danger here. Actually it's, it's okay. And so with, with my friend, and I think you can only do this by truth telling and you can only do it in community. I, I've yeah. never met a person that can do it by themselves. Yeah. And so with my friend, so he needs to come to a place of rest internally And then think about what's happening. But if he thinks about it in a state of anxiety, and this is what he this this was his next step is I might as well just resign, quit. Mm -hmm. No, why? No, that's a horrible decision. It may be that this board decides to let you go or fire you. That's okay. You'll be okay. But don't you quit? (laughs) Because then this is just all ugly and bitter and nasty like let's redeem this thing. So don't quit. Don't quit. First, let's get to a place of rest and calm and the true you thinking, not the like they hate me. I'm no good. And I asked him, I said, if they ruin you, if that happens, wh- what's so bad about that? And he said, the shame, mm-hmm. boom, there it is. He feels shame. Interesting. So the shame will color the way he thinks about everything. And a person living in shame is a disaster waiting to happen because, uh, the shame will dominate how they think. And so what we have to do is get rid of the shame so that the, the true him, the real him can look at the scenario and go, okay, what do we do now at rest mm-hmm. at rest? So to do that, so he he just sat with us, him and his wife, and um and his wife had a panic attack while we were sitting there.
0: Is is this as you're getting to rest? Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. This is like the all you're letting all of it bubble out, you know, like get it out. Let's go. And she had a panic attack, and so Donna just was walking her through. It's like, okay, let it go. Let's talk about what is it. What do you feel like? Don't bury it. Don't suppress it like let's go let it out and so she walked through it and i was walking through it with her husband and he said the shame and i said okay these guys can't give you shame the shame has to already be there you're giving yourself the shame (laughs) you're the only one that can make yourself feel ashamed nobody else can do it you're a let's let's walk through getting rid of the shame and so we just walk through that process of just let the shame go and we're going to let it go okay you know and let the false you go you're not a disappointment like you're not okay let's let all that go okay now thinking in terms of love and unconditional love who really are you and we he and i have done this before and he knows and so he says the truth of who he is and i said okay now okay beautiful now that you you this one the real one the not afraid one Let's talk about the future. Forget this right now. What is, what's in the future for you? What does love have for you in the future? And he, it was really fascinating. He goes, I I just see myself like working internationally. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, wait, stop. Internationally is bigger than what you do now. That means you would not be in what you do now. You'd be international. Like, do you get that? And he goes, oh yeah. I said, So you being afraid of losing this is like holding on to a little thing when what you really want is to let go of that thing and go to a bigger thing. Is that true? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, why are you afraid to lose this then? And he's like, I don't know. Because he felt like this would make him ashamed.
0: So um, I'm stuck on the shame, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that's – Everybody can, I think a lot of us can, can, right. we can boil things down to that. How do you, how do you get rid of that? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what is some strategies, you know, within community to, um, I think first it's probably like the monster that Right. if it's just out there, it's like, okay, well, that's not that bad. Right. You know, is there any other things that, you know, if we can boil down our anxiety or, you know, our fear to shame. hmm. Which is so fast? It's just fascinating how we got from, you know, people being against us to shame. Right. <laughs> to like, right. you know, I get the ruined part because, you know, uh, we often think that people can ruin us. Mm-hmm. Um, but often it's just because we think if something were to be exposed. Right. That, you know, we wouldn't be able to handle. Right the shame, right. You know, yeah. of other people knowing something, yeah. you know?
1: So when, yeah. So when he said shame, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, is there anything that's going to be revealed in the audit that is that, that would legitimately produce shame in you? Like, is there something I don't know about you or that the public doesn't know about you? That's going to be revealed publicly in, in the audit. Cause that would be something we would need to talk about. Sure. And he's like, no, and i said okay so so even if the public sees reads the audit which most of the time they're public's allowed to read them there'd be nothing in there that that would like be like oh you're a axe murderer right. no no it's just going to be that i'm not a good leader and i said okay so that means the shame is already present in you it's not going to come from this right which is usually with shame you, so shame is an identity right? Shame is an identity. So guilt is a feeling I have for doing something wrong. Shame is something I believe to be true about myself.
0: So shame has nothing to do with messing up in some, you know, big way. It's more, it's something that's already there. That it's, believe- a, it's an identity. Right. Okay. So like Got I it. might
1: do something that makes me feel guilty and I keep it secret, which turns to shame. But shame is like, guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is something's wrong with me. Guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is there's something wrong with me. Interesting. Deadly, deadly belief. And and a lot of people live with shame all the time. So kind of as we talked about before, so where did you learn? Where did you learn? Who told you that you should be ashamed of who you are? Where did you learn that? So now we want to find the place where they took on the identity of shame so that we can get rid of that because the shame will get triggered in different scenarios if you don't deal with it.
0: That's so fascinating how, it, how it could be brought out in me for different reasons that it might be brought out than a friend of mine. In, in the exact, sense like, like yes, that exactly. we're vulnerable in different ways. Exactly. Right. Super fascinating. Yeah, Cause right. like maybe if a board member doesn't like me, I'm not triggered and that doesn't bring out shame in right. me. But uh, you know, if somebody, I think this is real for me. Like if somebody were to think that I, uh, said something bad about them, like it would bring up something in me Right. where it wouldn't bother the other person. I, at all. And
1: I'm the same way. If someone said, we don't think you're a good leader, I, that probably wouldn't bother me too much. But if they said, um, we think you're a liar, that might really Right, produce shame in me because yeah. maybe that's something from my past that I've like been accused of or something. Yeah. You never know in a person what is going to trigger that shame in them. And so whatever it is you want to get. So when you want to get to it. And so with him, I was just like, um, what's the shame that I failed my family, right? That I'm not a good provider. Now, These could you have things.
0: that shame? Cause you know, you learn shame way early before you have mm-hmm. a family, yes, before right. you have a job. Yep. Is that does, is that shame just attaching itself to like provision and family?
1: That's right. It's how you inherit the shame. So it's how you inherit the shame from whoever is giving it to, offering it to you, and you take it. <laughs> so so if you grow up in a family where the, the constant, constant thing, thing is like a, a a real man or a real woman does this. Mm and you're unable to ever really do that, it makes you feel like something's wrong with you. So it could be, it could be the parent or whoever the influencers in the family is like, um, like in my family, it's like a, a, a real man would not cry. A real man would stand and fight no matter what's happening. Um, a real man would never walk away. So for my dad, if we came home from school and said, hey, we got in a fight at school, got expelled, he'd be like, okay, that's fine, that's okay. Or, hey, dad, we, some guy you know, called me a name and I walked away, he'd be horrified. Right, right. Like, what? And so we would be ashamed that we didn't fight, even though fighting is probably the dumbest thing you could do. Right, so it just depends the environment you grow up in and what, what, what in your culture is something that's considered shameful okay it could be it could be anything in a person when you're talking to humans like that they've been taught or learned or somehow perceived that like I'm ashamed because I can't and what and so that's why when you're talking to people, you got to be super careful with them that like oh, that's stupid why are you
0: worried about that and it's like very deeply shameful to them yeah because a lot of this stuff changes the way, you know, as I've gotten to know you, I've it changes the way you, you feel about other people and the way they respond to things because you don't know, you know, you, you don't necessarily know what that fear is for That's them. right, exactly. But, um, it makes you merciful towards people. Yeah. I, I want to, we have to wrap up here pretty soon, but I want to touch on one other topic in um, loss and like traumatic events that could uh, bring on anxiety, you know, the traumatic, and trauma can be, you know, the trauma could be with this board member, you know, is it all kind of the same, or are there different levels of of trauma and loss?
1: Yeah, so trauma and loss is relative to the person, you know, it's like, whatever, it's kind of like shame, it's like, whatever is traumatic to a person is what's traumatic to them, so, like, I was with a bunch of high school kids today, and we were talking about shame and trauma, and we did it with middle schoolers yesterday, but when they say, When I say, tell me something traumatic that's happened in your life, some of them will say, you know, can say some very horrible things that have happened to them. And it's traumatic, and they get emotional about it. And then the next kid will say, yeah, I remember the the day my dad said that, um, you know, that uh, I I came home too late. And and everyone else in the room is like, what? Tell us the trauma. That was the trauma. And it's just as emotional to them. It's like, no, man, he hated me. All he said was, you were home late. So, so again, you don't want to judge people's trauma levels, which we do all the time. And so a person stands up and they like have this real traumatic testimonial. And then people with trauma that's not that traumatic feel like their trauma is unimportant. And something's wrong with them because their trauma is not real trauma. And why is it bothering so much that person, you know, was sold into human trafficking and they're happy now? I'm just, I'm just not good at my job, and I'm miserable. And again, it, it just feeds that shame. Right. I'm ashamed that I feel so traumatized by something that wasn't real trauma. Yeah. It's constant in humans. This is like this constant comparison. So again, just back to my friend. So like to me, the situation, I, I kept saying to him, look, if there's nothing in that audit that's secretive that you don't want anyone to know that's going to get revealed, this isn't that big of a deal, but it doesn't matter that I think that. <laughs> right to him, it's horrifying, and so, so the trauma, the shame to him as he was raised is that a real man provides for his family and he's successful like this, and yeah. and this was going to be the end of all of that, it, and the fear is exacerbating it. You know, it's like, it, and and then your dad is going to be ashamed of you and your kid. He was he was. He was in tears of how his kids were going to think about him after losing this position.
0: But it's so normal. Like, like you're describing it, and I'm like, man, I can think of, you know, 10 different scenarios where, you know, I think that's a normal reaction. You Mm -hmm. see it in movies, you know, (laughs) and I think, you know, we as consumers – live in fear of like those moments right you know like we see it happening and we're like gosh i don't want to go through that right and then you have anxiety about not wanting to go through that right
1: you know and so so again we're not denying the facts that would be just insane so i'm just we're just walking back down to the truth okay okay so let's get rid of the shame so let's just take that shame and give it away you know how we've talked about this like imagine you're that unconditional love is sitting with you and Give the shame to love. What does love do with the shame? Like that I've done that with him before, so he kind of knows that process. And we do that. And I said, okay, now, what is the truth of who you are? What's your true identity? And he says it. it, it his, his true identity is like um innovator, like uh, like a, a lion innovator, like an aggressive, powerful innovator. And I said, Okay, all right, good. The shameful disappointment to your family you when he looks at this he wants to just basically die we're not we're not that's not who's looking at this the innovator lion is looking at this what does the innovator lion see i love that and boy does the innovator lion see this, different. <laughs> this is different completely different and again he has that vision in his mind is like the innovator lion is is like this is just a process of getting to international level and i said okay beautiful Okay, so how would the the lion innovator feel towards a board member that's obviously struggling with some kind of fear at you because they're after you, because they're fearful. How do you look at that board member? And He goes, well, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yes, yes, I feel sorry for that guy. Right. So now the whole thing's switching. He's not my enemy. Well, that's a broken board member that's fighting for position and, and for whatever reason, and trying to avoid shame, right? What about the other board member? Same thing, right? So, what do you expect them to do? And he goes, "Oh my gosh, he goes, I, I, I need to like, just be their friends. Maybe they need this. Maybe I need to move on for their good to help them." I'm like, "Wow, this is a different perspective, <laughs> right?" So he, so he, he, he starts, and his wife calms down, doing the same thing with her, and then he says. Okay, he's he's come to rest, right? His anxiety level's dropped. And I said, now tell me what you've done differently in this time than you would have done before. He goes, I, I stayed in community. I truth-told about my fear. I, I walked through my fear with someone I trust. And I'm back to thinking about this as I really am. And it's okay. Whatever happens is okay. Great. So what about the friends you're... Confidants that you know betrayed you. Yeah, I, I, they're fearful They we're all fighting for a position and they're fearful And they felt like this these bored people were going to win And so they just sided with whoever's going to win to protect themselves. I said do you understand that? Yes, okay? Well, what are you going to do with them? I'm going to still confide in them. And I'm just going to be cautious and I'm going to I'm going to Try and forgive them beautiful so the, the idea was that the thing was going to be made public, so um, two days later, he, he emails me, and he goes, I want you to read the, I got the full report, and he sends it to me. So this is two days after we've calmed way out, it's going to be okay, maybe if I lose my position, I'll move to another country and be an innovator internationally, like, what's really my dream? This is really actually a small situation, right? Yeah, so he just lets it go. As soon as he lets it go, the whole atmosphere of the thing changes. And he sends me the actual report, it's a 56-page internal audit report, and I read the whole thing. Everything about him, him in particular, is, beautiful, is positive. There's one page of a very harsh critique in the audit, and it's against the one board member. <laughs> That's it, page 46. And I take a picture <laughs> of the page, and I text it back to him, and I said, I see one critique in this whole audit, and it's of the broken guy on your board. And so that happened, and I said, so if this is made public by this guy that wants to have it made public, it only indicts him. So you think he's am well, not going to want it. So okay, so that was fine. They were like, okay, oh my gosh, I was ready to quit. I know because the fear is driving you, the anxiety is driving you, you're self protecting okay, now the real you, okay? And then, not only that, he, he's driving to he's driving to speak at this thing, and he calls me and goes, you'll never guess who you called
0: me. And I'm like,
1: I don't know. And he tells me this person, this super high-level person, and he goes, guess why they called me? They wanted to know if I want a job. <laughs> the next day, another person calls him from another company, Offering him a job. They have no idea what's going on here, you know, whatever he's doing. They're just completely outside. And both of them called him to offer him jobs, which far exceed what he's doing now. Now, if he would have quit this, those opportunities would not have come. Wow.
0: It just, to me, it's, it shows the power of, in any situation, getting back to your identity. That's right. And being able to approach it from your identity. That's right. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. That so, was, that's a
1: crazy story. And in community. This is just this just happened a couple weeks ago in community. In community. So we need to be not isolated and fearful and by ourselves. We need to be in community with people that love us and and that want the truth for us, the best for us with no agenda. And that's not hard that's not easy to find to have fine friends like that. But so, that's
0: the kind of community we need. When you say community um, in my head I'm saying it's got to be 10 15 people what can the community be two or three two or three yeah. two or three people that love you and that are unbiased and you could just
1: right and that have a that understand the true you who the true you is so they can always be calling forth the true you when you hit and all of us do when we hit dark times rocky times things that just totally blindside us and life does it just blindsides you and knocks you down the thing is don't isolate, don't go inward, don't go to substances or anything. Get right back in community and just pour your heart out in the safe community. Let them listen to you and then just start asking you questions to help you like get back to the truth of who you are before you make any decisions.
0: Unbelievable. Before we end, will you um, talk about identity exchange? Just real quick, tell us where to find it, what is it about? it seems like it always goes back to identity.
1: Yeah, so that's our, our company and our website, identityexchange.com. And this is what we do. This is uh, we, I get to do this every day with people. Just walk them through the false things they believe about themselves or other people or the world that they're in and exchange it for the truth of who they are, grounded and sourced in love. And I actually have a book coming out in June called i um, cannot wait
0: for this and i i I, I wanted to ask but i wasn't sure if you're ready i'm just so pumped about this
1: tell us about it it's called living fearless okay living fearless and that's what it's about is like what's the process to walk through just in daily life that allows us to live a life that's fearless not brave but less fearful fearless and slowly those fears become less dominating in our life. And, and there, is, there are disciplines and practices just to walk through. Um, and I just tell a zillion stories about places, you know, in the police department and in the government and places where we've lived in the world where I've just watched people or walked people through this process. And I think, I think the readers will really love it. It's something that they can do while they're reading. It's just like, you need to think like this these are things you need to ask yourself, like just simple processes and questions. Exactly.
0: And that comes out in June? June. I, I, for one, cannot wait. And guys, believe me, we're going to be talking more about this book in the coming months, uh, right up until June. We'll, make that, we'll make that happen when we're we'll talking about topics like identity and anxiety. Uh, we're going to link up the, the previous conversations in the description below. We talked about fear. We've talked about joy. We've talked about, I'm sure other amazing topics that's not coming to my head right now (laughs) identity (laughs) Identity, the whole thing but uh guys thank you so much for sticking with us to the end jamie wenship i appreciate you yeah thanks for having me guys until next time we'll see you don't go away